Coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society, we tell you that we care with a gift basket of corporate synergy. It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers, and I am joined, as I am always joined, by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. We've got a good show for you today. We're going to be talking about the news from the week, including a copy of Super Mario 64 selling for $1.5 million. And then on Thursday, we're going to be awarding Nintendo characters some yearbook superlative, but Mar uh, superlatives. I almost got through the whole thing. But Mark, in the meantime, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Pa Patrick, you know how... Um our like tastes change as we age, you Ooh, know, like yeah. uh, our, our palate changes. So you're talking physically, like our, the, our, our mouth tastes. Yeah. And like, you know, yeah. like you, something that you liked a lot, you start not liking or something that you didn't like before um, yeah. you start liking a lot. And I feel like the hope always is that it's going to be like something your tastes change. And so you're like, well, I didn't like beats before, but I like really love beats now. You're and not, this is not Beats again, Mark. Is this it? is, no, no. Okay. Oh, no, 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 It's not. It's not. I can't become that person. Example. I can't become that person. Um, yeah. No, I, for whatever reason, you, but you always hope it's going to be more refined. Like you're going to wake up one day and you're just going to be yeah. like, man, I really love the taste of snails now or something. And uh, I, mine has been recently like French toast. I cannot get enough mm. French toast. And I don't know why. I never really liked French toast that much before. And now it's all I think about. I throw off the covers. I'm thinking about French toast. Right, Do I have a right, French right. toast deficiency? I mean, you might. That might be your body's way of telling you that you need to get more French toast. Let me ask you this. Are you getting it out at like a diner or a restaurant or where? Where are you getting your French toast fix? Well, I'm not, sad to say, I'm not eating French toast that often. Just kind of like craving it uh-huh and so, um, so you're just you're just not getting it do you, <laughs> do you make your own french toast no i don't which what, uh, what is happening does clement <laughs> make your french toast no no i mean i when i go for like breakfast or brunch then i'm like my eyes on that french toast prize but other than that i'm too lazy to make french toast myself mark okay when when i get back in town i'm gonna make you some french toast okay <laughs> Speaking of things we have to wait until I'm in town to take care of, uh, my copy of Sonic Forces, would you like to borrow it? You can certainly try. All you got to do is email us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com and give us a mailing address, a mailing address, one that I can mail to, that uh, I can send my copy of Sonic Forces there. Send it to Nintendo Cartridge Society at gmail.com. And did I do it twice? I did. I did it twice. <laughs> I was. I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> Look, you borrow my copy of Sonic Forces for as long as you want. Uh, you you send it back. It costs you nothing. It is the perfect borrowing program. Uh, the other thing you can do is you can leave us a five star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast. Uh, it helps us so much. It makes sure that Patrick and I are in sync when we're going to do an at gmail.com. All the important things that you care about in this podcast. Uh, providing a five-star review or favoriting us or doing whatever it do, you do, 
to let the world know that you like this podcast, that you listen to this podcast. Yeah, scratch that. You don't even have to like it, just that you listen to it. Um, <laughs> that uh, Maybe you hate listen. But uh, doing that, it helps out the show. It helps us a bunch. And we really appreciate it. Um, Mark, are you implying that uh, we messed up that at gmail.com because someone hasn't reviewed us when they should have already? I don't have to imply that. The implication is... It's just out there. It's yeah. just out there, yeah. <laughs> Um, we got an email from a listener um, named Mark. It's not you, Mark. Um, uh, the subject of the email is Epona, and he writes, uh, Hi, Patrick and Mark. Loving the show as usual, and I really enjoyed your ranking of the best Nintendo Animal Companions. I just wanted to let you know that in Breath of the Wild, you can get Epona without naming a random horse. I used my Twilight Link Smash Bros. amiibo. Once she is in the game, she uh, you 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 can then stable her and then summon her whenever you like. Her stats are her all are always maxed out, but I'm pretty sure you can't get her without the amiibo. Keep up the great work. Your shows are the highlight of my week, Mark. Uh, thank you, Mark. That's very sweet of you to say. Um, and what a great point. As we were talking about um, Epona and I, like the reason that she uh, is so high on our list, I won't say where she ends up in case you haven't uh, heard it yet. Um, it is the like emotional connection that that we had to her, but I think our we were a little fuzzy on the details around how she appears in Breath of the Wild, and so it is good to have someone say, "Hey, here's how it happens." Yeah, that's really cool. I genuinely did not realize that you could get like Epona Epona in Breath of the Wild, so that's really cool. A uh, a great game just keeps getting better. <laughs> or or a great game was always good. We just forgot great things about it. <laughs> Right. Yes. Yeah. Um, all right, Mark, let's get into what we've been playing this week. So I have not had a ton of time to play games this week. Sadly, Dragon Quest XI-S Echoes of an Elusive Age Definitive Edition remains I knew it was too good deferred. to be true. I knew it and, was too good to be true. And what are they going to do with Skyward Sword coming up? I don't know. I have, I'm yeah. having a crisis right now because I haven't had a lot of time to game. But Skyward Sword is on the horizon, and I feel an obligation to myself and to you, Patrick, to play mm. Dragon Quest XI-S Echoes of Elucidation Definitive Edition for the Nintendo Switch. And so it will be done. I don't know how, but it, I can have it all. I'm like Liz Lemon on Sandwich Day. But what yeah, I right. did have time to do is um, I watched some of the uh, speedruns or replays of the speedruns from Summer Games Done Quick from last week. And one that I really want to draw people's attention to is blindfold mario 64 run it was a Ooh. 70 star run which means that i uh, got 70 stars and beat bowser blindfolded uh the runner is bubsia it is it's like an hour and 45 minutes um wow. it is amazing 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 they set a personal best for themselves like it is such a cool run uh, i believe that bubsia ran this maybe a year or so ago maybe an ag like awesome games done quick and it was like a 35 star run um but yeah. this is like the like he beats the game it is it has great commentary it is seriously incredible i'll include a link in the show notes i highly suggest people check it out it's really really cool oh uh, that's so cool I, I know we touched on it last week but blindfold runs of 3d games are always like mind-blowing like they just the the amount of 
how you orient yourself in a three-dimensional space without being able to see it. Um, like, I know there are some audio cues. I assume he had, like, head- headphones mm-hmm. on so he could really, yeah. like, tune into, um, you know. It, were there a lot of those, like, running Mario up against the wall and then, like, jumping and kicking to move him back a certain amount of space? Yeah, it's a lot of that where it's, like, exactly what yeah. you're saying, like, using audio cues to, fe- like, realize where you are and then, you know, like, listening to music for, like, cues and all that kind of stuff. Uh, in the commentary, they were saying that out of the 120 stars in Super Mario 64, there are blind fold run st- uh, strategies for 118 of them and so wow. when like those last and the last two are like it's like one of the they're both like 100 coins in two levels oh yeah, and sure. uh but once that is done then like at some point somebody can attempt like a 120 star run like a full game blindfolded said it would take you know like i can't even imagine how many hours to do that run but it's just so it's so incredible like i everybody should check it out it's so cool Oh man, that's that that's awesome. I forgot that uh, a bunch of those stars are collect a hundred coins in the level. Um that seems impossible to do. It's, it's wild. It's so amazing. Um so I have I've also not had a ton of time to uh play games uh this week as I was sort of preparing to go on vacation, which is where I am coming to you now from uh vacation. I'm in Wisconsin this week. Um, but, uh, I did on the plane, instead of traveling with my switch, I am just traveling with my 3DS, which is something that I like to do from time to time. Um, it is easier for me to just like throw the 3DS in the bag and not really think about it. Um, and it's smaller, you know, I have a, a new 3DS, but it's not a new 3DS XL. It's like the regular size. Um, and so just like being more compact, like really carries a lot of weight for me uh, in, in this scenario. But I realized that with my 3DS with me, I had a sort of great uh, preview sort of look into Nintendo's fall. Um, because uh, games that I'm very, lo- very much looking forward to are, of course, Metroid Dread. Um, and uh warioware get it together and uh i have warioware gold on my 3ds um which is sort of a you know a collection of all the uh of the best the greatest hits of uh warioware up into the point that we are like you know now with get it together sort of like coming into a new age of warioware right where you have like your little avatar characters on screen making all the micro games happen um and then of course uh samus returns which is developed by the same company that is developing metroid dread and seems to share a lot of like graphical similarities to it especially like in design um but the you know warrior gold uh is just an absolute masterpiece i there there is no better plain game in my mind except of course possibly for pocket card jockey um but you know just like you distract yourself for four seconds and then another four seconds and another four seconds and eventually the plane has landed um warrior gold is a godsend i love it um but the thing that got me super excited uh playing samus uh returns again is that the game while being like a very like fun and capable uh you know port and upgrade of of the game boy game um does such a great job in its storytelling like it is clearly invested in uh the sort of mythology that's either um, you know, in the instruction booklet for the original Game Boy game or sort of like implied in everything else um, that like they have these little cinematics before that are like still frames and like the writing is really good. Um, and then just actually within the game and on SR388, Samus's acting is really good. Like they animate the characters, like the way she discovers stuff, the way she's like frightened by some things and sort of like confidently defiant in the face of others. Like, 
I think Mercury's theme just has a good handle on that character and on like communicating her uh, both with words and wordlessly. Um, I, it got me so much more excited for Metroid Dread uh, just to remember how good Samus Returns is. Yeah, that's really cool. That you know, I I don't really remember that from Metroid Dread or uh, Samus Returns, and that makes me want to kind of like go back and replay it before Metroid Dread. Um, of course, after Dragon Quest Eleven S Echoes of an Elusive Age, depending on Nintendo <laughs> Switch. But I, uh, um, yeah, and also that's interesting that what you mentioned about it. Like the Metroid Dread's going to be both a sequel to all the Metroid games that came before it, but more directly like uh, yes. a sequel to Samus Returns. Yeah, I feel like um, there is so much. There feels like uh, previously unseen hype for a Metroid yeah. game with um, Metroid Dread, but it also feels like the weight of the expectations on it are really for it to be something like <laughs> spectacular are like really high as well. And so hopefully everything comes together because everything we've seen looks really cool so far. Yeah, well, and like. I guess that it always has me a little worried when expectations are so high for a game. Um, but I do think that, like, we would all do well to remind ourselves or each other that um, Metroid games are almost always, um, like, great in a super chill way, right? Like, that there's not going to be, like, a moment in it, you know, with, with very rare exceptions where there's, uh, you know, like, the end of Super Metroid, for example. Um, but, like, otherwise... Uh, Metroid is just like a great gameplay experience uh, with like a cool uh, aesthetic and like it does that better than anyone but like it's just it's like low-key great if that makes sense totally I think what where the um I don't know not uh these experiences are completely different but it does make me think a little bit of of uh like rise of skywalker in the sense that like mm. there's you know like they are saying beforehand part of the marketing is like hey this yeah. is the end of like this part of the story and that's that's the, those are weighty expectations right to like bring that sort of like samus is relationship yeah, totally. with the metroid to like a satisfying end uh and um yeah i i am hopeful i it, everything we've seen looks really fun I mean, just so long as she doesn't, like, turn around and say that her name is Samus Skywalker, like, I'm fine. <laughs> I'm Samus. Samus Metroid. Samus <laughs> she takes the Metroid's <laughs> last name. Uh, all right, so that's what we've been playing this week. Let's get into the new releases and what we might be playing next week. Today, July 13th, Worms Rumble is released on the Switch. Sh Switch. So, I think... I believe we've said this before, and in the we early have, yeah. days of the show, um, there were a, when the Switch was like new, there were a lot of eShop like shenanigans where release dates would um, come and go. And I feel like as the sh Switch has matured, that has become less of a thing. And so there's two possibilities here: one that this <laughs> release date changed from when we talked about it before, but I don't think that's the case. What I think this is is that the digital edition is on the eShop and has been for a few weeks. And then this is like the physical release coming out. They got to coordinate those things, man. <laughs> <laughs> release them at the same time. You don't need two launches. But of course, uh, this Friday on July 16th, The Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword HD is released. Um, and I actually saw a video from Nintendo Life this morning on YouTube uh, talking about how like 
one of the quality of life updates that hasn't been talked about, or at least a change in the game from the Wii version that hasn't been talked about, but uh, you can see in like the preview videos that are beginning to come out from the beginning of the game, are that when you're playing with motion controls, the camera has full range of motion tied to like the um the right joystick, so it acts basically just like kind of like Breath of the Wild's camera, oh, wherein yeah. as in the Wii version, you know, you could only reposition it using um the like Z button. And so it would, right. you know, Z always targeting style. Yeah, yeah, it would like snap behind Link, but that was it. Now, if it's possible, we don't know yet, or at least as of this recording, I do not know yet. If <laughs> when you're not playing in motion controls, because you know, in the um uh non-motion controls for Skyward Sword, you use the right stick for to like uh for Link's combat. And so we don't know, like, is there like a button combination you pick to be able to move the camera freely, or does it just use like the the Wii style? Z targeting but that's a big change yeah. for the game plus um you know all the other quality of life updates plus uh in again in the videos that we've seen from the beginning of the game they've removed a lot of dialogue boxes that used to stop you so it seems like there are more refinements to this game than even nintendo has been talking about so i'm really interested to see what the full reviews are like uh but i mean i'm playing it regardless because i've never played yeah, this totally. game and so yeah i'll be picking up skyward sword hd uh, also coming out this Friday are the Legend of Zelda Joy-Con set, and then the Zelda and Loftwing Amiibo uh, that have the Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword HD functionality. Uh, and I've got the Zelda and Loftwing Amiibo um, coming to me. I've got them pre-ordered. Um, Mark, you still have those Joy-Cons pre-ordered? So I, I had them pre-ordered, and then uh. I got an email reminder from Best Buy being like, hey, you have these pre-ordered. I'm getting ready to move. And so it was like, do I really need to spend $90 on a set of Joy-Con right. that I um, like covet, but I do not need right now? My Joy-Con right now are functioning totally fine. And so I canceled it because I decided it like wow, the momentary wow, happiness wow. of like receiving the Joy-Con, I'm not going to do anything with them. And so I'd rather well, you're put... gonna you're gonna play Skyward Sword with them. I don't think I would. I think I'd probably leave. What? Them. I know. So no, I I I, I canceled the pre order. That's like ninety bucks. I'm gonna put towards yeah. um something else. So it was tough to do because I like you know like yeah you you want them to be able to like show off and stuff, but uh, I decided not to. Let me ask you this: uh, as we are uh, approaching the release of Skyward Sword HD. Are you planning to play it with uh, split Joy-Cons and the motion controls, or are you going to try to go at it with um, the, the dual thumbsticks? My intention is to play it with motion controls. Yeah, mine too. Because, like, I know it is technically a solution and probably technically the only solution that makes any sense, but I don't really think that controlling Link's sword with the right thumbstick is going to be satisfying or intuitive in any, any way. Like, yeah. What other what game do you play like that where you're using the thumbstick to to attack? Like that doesn't make any sense. And I, I also feel like, and you know, maybe I'll change my tune if once I start playing and I'm like, I really dislike this. But you know, uh, when we were doing our E3 rewatch back in mm -hmm. uh, 2020, and we watched the reveal of of uh, Skyward Sword, and yeah, like the combat as shown off. Like, the demo wasn't that great because they were having, like, technical difficulties. But you can tell, like, the whole point of that game was designed around, like, those motion controls. Like, combat and everything is that yeah. way. So I figured I might as well give it a shot. And, you know, if I end up disliking it, maybe I'll switch to the button one and see if that fits better for me. 
Yeah. Uh, and I mean, of course, uh, we're both going to be wearing our green tunics and like long green hats while we play this and like march around our apartments like we're little heroes of time. Yeah, absolutely. And that's um, uh, with the blinds up and, uh, you know, for God and everyone to see. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not going to do that in my apartment for myself. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, uh, Mark, let's get out of the new releases. Which brings us to a regular segment on our show. It is time for 433. In 1952, American composer John Cage wrote a piece called 433, wherein a performer or a group of performers didn't play their instruments for 4 minutes and 33 seconds. For the purposes of this show, our instruments are talking about Nintendo. So, for the duration of one performance, 433, Mark and I will talk about something not at all Nintendo-related, thus fulfilling the contract of the piece. Uh, we are taking a suggestion from Dominic, uh, sent to us for our 433 episode. Thank you, Dominic. Dominic writes, uh, what are the first things you would buy if you won the lottery? <sighs> Mark, I, I mean, I think you are, you have just done one of the things that I would do, uh, right away if I won the lottery, which is I'd buy a house in LA. I know. I, uh, yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, can you even imagine winning the lottery like i can't <laughs> like i i genuinely can't even imagine yeah. like what that feel what that would feel like it yeah. seems like it would be so like you'd be elated but i i think it would also be super stressful stressful yeah well i mean th there are tax implications so you got to figure those out although if you just won the lottery i think you hire someone to figure that out right you would, you're gonna you need would, a money guy you yeah. would think so you would but then how yeah. do you find a money guy that you trust mm. That Great isn't point. just going to like take advantage of or like. Well, you need someone who knew you before you won your money. <laughs> That's right. Everybody becomes friends with CPAs right now. <laughs> Otherwise, you wouldn't do it. No, 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 no. One of my best friends is a, a CPA. So, um, yeah. Okay. Uh, other other than like a house. Oh, okay. I I would also uh I would get I really really like um the army style jeep with like no top on it like a you know 1960s 1970s uh jeep i would get one of those and i would get it like converted to like a hybrid engine or something uh because i would feel bad about uh using the uh using the gas um but i would get that so i could drive around southern california uh in just all of the you know exposed side glory um so that that would be that would be an early purchase for me yeah do you know i i feel like you can like I I feel like our aspirations are so attainable. <laughs> yes. No, but like in like a good way, but it's like like yeah. you know, like you have like uh uh like Jeff Bezos and um uh Richard, Richard whatever. Yeah, like space, being yeah. like, oh we're gonna like shoot ourselves into space. Like that's how much money they have. That's how rich they are. That they're like, oh, like these like things that like normal people would be like, oh my gosh, I'd be able to buy a home. They're like, no, I'm trying to get into the solar system. You know, like, I okay, want to get out okay. of here. But they, they also, th those guys are so rich that, like, winning the lottery wouldn't be a boon to them, right? <laughs> <No>. like, they, <laughs> it wouldn't even, it wouldn't be, a, uh, like, Jeff Bezos, uh, doesn't he make something like $60 million? A, I, I mean, it doesn't matter. He makes so much money yeah. that winning the lottery would be, like, an accounting error for yeah. him. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, like, the things I would do with lottery winnings would be exactly that where it'd be like yeah i would like you know pay off a mortgage i would buy a car i would you know like just like all that kind of stuff right. 
Um, and then with like the Set rest up a of bunch it, of charitable donations. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. It's like, I don't even, uh, man, what, how wonderful it'd be to be like mad scientist rich. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I guess that would be good. Let's okay. Like frivolous things. What, what kind of like frivolous things would you buy? Uh, would you hire a, a, a French toast chef or anything <laughs> like that? I would try to be, uh, no, that's the thing is I, I'm not very, I'm not very fun. I don't think I would do that. I think I'd be like, I'd become like miserly is what I worry about. Mm. But I would be like, I'd be like, oh my gosh, like I have this money. I don't want to lose it. I think one thing I would do is for sure. I would like travel the world. Like I would, yeah. you know, like, um, go to all the places I have wanted to go. Like, you know, like Antarctica or and all that kind of stuff. We would see the, uh, the Columbo statue. Yes. Oh my gosh. Finally. It's the only way is we gotta win the I would lottery. I would finally buy all seasons of uh, Murder She Wrote yes, on DVD yes. so I could own it forever in case they took it off the Peacock. I wouldn't have to like pay for the subscription. <laughs> yeah, definitely not gonna just like subscribe to a bunch of stuff. No way. <laughs> I'm only making physical purchases. I feel like I would blow uh, some serious money on like rebuying a Virtual Boy and the Virtual mm. Boy library. Mm -hmm. um, just because it is a piece of Nintendo history that I feel uh, is like, oh, no, I'm talking about Nintendo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, and that is, of course, uh, the, the end of 433. We were accompanied today uh, by my girlfriend, Sarah, who is in the room um, being very quiet for four minutes and 33 seconds. And I feel like this is the perfect opportunity to, to remind listeners that if you want to do your own recording of 433, um, that includes applause at the end. We will 100% use it on the show. Yeah, totally. Email it to Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com. See, someone reviewed us in the meantime, so that's why that one worked. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, just make sure there's applause at the end. Uh, and if, if, if it's just you, that's fine. If there's applause from a bunch of people, even better. All right, Mark, let's get into the news. So last Tuesday, Nintendo revealed the much-rumored Nintendo Switch OLED model um, for release this October. We talked about it in more detail last Thursday's episode, so if you haven't heard our thoughts on it and are dying to know, um, you can go check that out. Um, but one thing that we didn't touch on, there are actually, I guess, like two things um, that we didn't touch on that I would like to comment on now. One thing is, the first thing is that uh, the Nintendo reiterated that the OLED model will use the same Joy-Con as the existing model. And mm -hmm. the reason there was some sort of, I, I wouldn't even say it was speculation or rumors, it was more just wishful, like, hoping from people, is that, of course, like, Joy-Con drift is still a problem. So it is disappointing that uh, Nintendo isn't taking this opportunity to, like, fix the problem. Yeah. Um, Nintendo doesn't, they've never really comment directly or try very hard to not comment directly on the Joy-Con drift problem, partly because there's a class action lawsuit going on over it. So even if they did redesign the Joy-Con for the OLED model, which again, th there is like a 99.99% likelihood that they did not. Um, but if they yeah. did... They probably they probably wouldn't even acknowledge it because they would have to then acknowledge that there was like a problem, which I don't think they want to do. Yeah, and I think if they ever if they ever even do address it, like in in the release of of a new uh, style of Joy-Con, 
that won't be the marketing beat behind it, right? Um, the marketing beat will be like, this is the Joy-Con Mark II, um, and they'll it'll need to have some other additional functionality. Um, otherwise, because they're, they're never, ever going to put one out. It's just like they're never going to call a Switch a Switch Pro. Um, they're never going to release a Joy-Con that is like, now without Joy-Con Drift. <laughs> yeah. Never going to happen. Yeah, totally. There'll be a new sensor in there. Maybe the heartbeat mm-hmm. sensor will finally make its way into Ooh, the vitality product. sensor the vitality sensor um the other thing i want to mention uh that i neglected to on thursday because i didn't think of it then is that uh we didn't talk about the fact we kind of determined where we came down on the new oled model is that if you're buying a switch for the first time it you know seems like a good upgrade or at least something to heavily consider but if you are upgrading if you're thinking of upgrading from like a switch that you already own like a regular switch not a switch light like it's harder to justify at least for me that's where i came down on it yeah but one thing that was pointed out online that i hadn't really considered is that you and i both have uh launch models and so before the 2019 like um update that nintendo did to the like internals of the switch and what that did is uh, among another other things it increased the battery battery life by like uh you know like three or four hours and so this does in that way make like a better upgrade case if you have a launch model switch like we do because like you're also getting like a big battery life increase amongst other things so just another thing to consider with it yeah i mean it it is interesting that like um that first time in 2019 was like a an incredibly like micro update to um the switch and then the oled model is uh, another like kind of micro update but like you put two micro updates together and it's, you're like oh i mean like that's actually is a, a, an upgrade from the model of switch that uh, i i currently have still uh tricky to justify the added cost um but i don't know like i i just like sitting with the idea of of it and of those sweet white joy cons and the uh the uh the white dock like i don't know i've i've been wavering on my i don't need that and i'm like <laughs> Do I need that? I mean, what can I say? It looks cool. Uh, and I, I'm eager to get my hands on one. I'm eager to like yeah. see it in person. The thing is, I just don't play my Switch that often in handheld mode when it comes down to it. But yeah, I mean, the siren song of those white Joy-Con, uh, hard to resist. Yeah. Uh, EA has confirmed that the Switch will be receiving FIFA 22 Legacy Edition in October. So basically, just like the last three years, this version is based on the PS3, Xbox 360 version of FIFA and doesn't get the same content or features as the uh, newer titles. But at least it's only 40 bucks, according to Best Buy, instead of like uh, a full 60. So it's just just like in, in previous years, uh, like it's just a roster update, basically. Yeah, seemingly. I, I don't know if they have been if they've done other like gameplay updates, but uh, yeah. for the like. It doesn't have story mode or I I'm sorry, I can't remember what story what that kind of stuff is called in FIFA, but uh it doesn't really have any of that. It's just a really bare bones, just like soccer simulator, basically. Um, that's pretty depressing. I mean, especially seeing that it's uh the PlayStation 3, Xbox 360 versions, like that's two generations back at this point, which feels unnecessarily stingy on the technical side, but uh, you know, I guess uh uh they they know what they want to actually invest in the uh the switch infrastructure yeah and i think it's one of those things where 
I know we have we've had at least one game running on the Frostbite engine now, like that Plants vs Zombies mm-hmm. game that came out uh, is running on a modified version of the Frostbite. But um, I that was always the reason at least EA gave you know for not bringing the uh, more modern versions to Switch, and so I'm sure that that continues to be the case. <laughs> Nintendo subsidiary Monolith Soft reported a record profit last year. For the fiscal year ending March 31st, 2021, they recorded 1.7 wait, 1.171 billion yen, and for comparison, the year before was 491 million yen. So, they had a banner year. Of course, the year before, I'm not I can't recall if they released any games. This year, um but in fiscal year 2021, they released Xenoblade Chronicles De- Definitive Edition that we know sold 1.32 million units its first month. And I don't think we've had a sales update since then. But that's that feels like a strong performance for Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition. And so after the success of this and uh, Xenoblade Chronicles 2 did really well for Nintendo as, or for Nintendo and Monolith Soft as well, it kind of seems like Xenoblade Chronicles has quietly become kind of a major franchise yeah, like a main, for Nintendo. Yeah. yeah, well, and I guess, uh, so I, I was just trying to place uh, Torn of the Golden Country in there, because that came out um, September 2008. So I guess that wouldn't have been in, in the previous year, it would have been in the year before. Uh, it might have been in the first half of the fiscal year. Somebody, yeah, somebody, yeah. Do the, somebody back that out and uh, figure it out for us. <laughs> I, I i googled it and like looked up the date and i was like all right great so that tells me what <laughs> <laughs> well okay let's see if this fiscal i think we can do this the 20 yeah. the 2021 fiscal year ran from uh like april 1st 2020 to march right and then so that means the 20 fiscal year ran from what? uh 2019 March, uh-huh right so so no so it wouldn't have been so no one... it was before it was the year before we did yeah. it we did Yay! it i think if anybody corrects can correct us feel free to write in yeah uh yeah no it's a um you know that is a series that i uh stubbornly keep uh trying to connect with um and never do we got some good advice um at the beginning of this year about how to just uh like mainline xenoblade chronicles the definitive edition um put everything put everything on easy mode and enjoy the story basically is and and auto battle and all that um and uh i keep this is uh this is my dragon quest 11 i think um that like a, a game that i keep putting off going back to um but promise that i will someday <laughs> Well, we'll um, maybe we'll try to keep ourselves honest on that. I don't know how. Mm, okay. I don't know how. Right. But um, A- after after Skyward Sword. Yes. And then after Metroid Dread. <laughs> um, if you're a collector or even just looking to pick up some older games recently, you've probably noticed that prices for vintage games have just been like exploding recently. And um, the speculation in in like video game this, collecting this seems like an unrelated trend. This, <laughs> this one, what we're about to talk about, but go ahead. Well, it's like the speculation in collectibles has just it's it's been affecting like everything. Like you know, we saw it with the the with Pokemon cards with sneakers. Like it's just become like a new area for speculation. And so um, this past week, there were not one but two record-setting auctions for video games. So. Wow. 
first last Tuesday, a copy of Legend of Zelda for the uh, Nintendo Entertainment System set a new price record when it sold at auction for $870,000. That's so much money. I would not buy that if I won the lottery. (laughs) According to Kotaku, quote, apart from a single sealed copy from the game's very first production run, this is billed as the earliest known copy of The Legend of Zelda in existence at this quality, distributed for just a few months in late 1987. Which is cool. Like there, there is something. Uh, what what I like about this uh, is that it is a uh, like rarer or older printing of uh, of the Legend of Zelda, and that it's in you know a, a exceptional quality. So th- keep that in mind. That was Tuesday, eight hundred seventy thousand dollars. So just a few days later, on Sunday, a sealed and pristine copy of the of Super Mario sixty four was auctioned off for $1.56 million. This one I can't wrap my head around. It's just kind of unreal. Again from Kotaku, quote, it was given a 9.8 rating on the Wata scale. Um, as a result of this high rating, Heritage Auction says that it's just one of fewer than five known sealed copies in such incredible condition. But so, like, sit on that for a second, because it's just that it's in good shape. It's not that it is of, like, a rare printing or there's, like, a misprint or anything on it. This is essentially identical to the copy of the game that I purchased from Target in 1996. um, And that I, you know, forced the cashier to open the other box because it was trying to tell me I could only buy Pilot Wings. And I was like, no, I am not leaving this, uh, this Target with Pilot Wings 64 on the day that the Nintendo 64 comes out. I'm leaving with Mario 64. It's that exact same product that I bought. I bought that I then opened and uh, ruined by playing um, that sold for $1.56 million. It's totally, totally crazy. And yeah, I, I don't know if maybe it was like, I, I don't think there was anything like particularly special about it, um, but I don't know if it was like a specific printing, like a first runner, something like that. I don't know. It, it, um, uh, it just seems, un, it just seems unreal. Like, I, yeah. I would again, I would love to be that sort of rich where you're just like, and for fun, I'm just going, you know, like I'm going to uh, right. start collecting like uh video games. Um the uh it, this was brought to my attention uh by a tweet from uh Chris Kohler who was saying that um he was waiting for the day when a, a video game cartridge would finally sell for over a million dollars. Um but at $1.56 million, that's like shattering that barrier, right? It's like it, it's, it's so much money. And finally, in the sure, why not class of corporate synergy, <laughs> Nintendo and Edible, also known as Edible Arrangements, have teamed up on a Mario Kart 8 Deluxe and Super Mario promotion. So starting this week in the US and Canada, um, you are able to purchase Mario 8, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe themed edible arrangements. Allow me to share some great moments in copywriting from the press release with you, Patrick. Please. Quote, For a midsummer Nintendo Switch party spectacle, why not splurge on the new Rainbow Road arrangement? Like, like its acclaimed Mario Kart course namesake, this arrangement features a dazzling array of colors, comprised of fresh pineapple coins and stars swizzle rainbow berries grapes and melon if you'd like to make somebody's birthday feel extra festive 
The cookie and fruit power-up birthday bundle features dipped fresh fruit, pineapple stars, cookie sandwiches, and a Super Mario-themed birthday balloon. Or, when you need to make a grand gesture, nothing says I care quite like the vibrant power flower cup fruit flowers bundle. If you'd like to see the full suite of sweet-natured Nintendo-themed gifts, glide on over to Edible's website. Plus, Edible offers the convenience of same-day and next and free next-day delivery. End quote. And truly, I could not have said it better myself. Right. Well, that's... I, I want to go back to... You have it highlighted in our show notes, but the... Uh, or when you need to make a grand gesture, nothing says I care, quite like a vibrant flower cup fruit flowers bundle um what is this like a condolences edible arrangement what's happening here i think the 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 beauty of it the genius of it is that it's Mm. multifaceted it's like i care that your cat died i care about you so let's get married i care that you are sick um really i care that i uh, called you uh Kristen when your name is Christian like i that's these yes. kind of like i care about you exactly uh like the the flower cup fruit flowers bundle is versatile and i think that is the um the the dream for any edible arrangement mark let me ask you this as well uh when did edible arrangements change their name to just edible Does and it? oh yeah is that inviting controversy <laughs> Does I I am it feels to me that we are mere months away from it being like condensed even further to just being like E D B L. <laughs> yeah, that'd be pretty good. Um, also, has anyone done edibles arrangement? Because that should be <laughs> someone. Some weed company should get on edibles arrangement. <laughs> um, all, of course, all snark aside, your birthday's coming up, Patrick. And it's true. And genuinely, <laughs> genuinely. Mm-hmm. This would be the perfect gift for either of us. Yeah, this is a great point. I mean, we uh, we both had a moment of like, should we get these Cold Stone ice cream treats <laughs> when when they did a a Mario Kart uh like tie in? So I don't know. Look, we're suckers for this sort of thing. I'm sure we will uh, get one of these delivered during a record or something. <laughs> um, and I mean the uh I, I the power up birthday bundle actually does sound great, right? Dipped fresh fruit, pineapple stars, cookie sandwiches, and a Super Mario themed birthday balloon. I mean, yeah, I mean it's it, it really is perfect. Like nobody's poo pooing the quality of the uh, of the birthday bundle. No, plus like you ever get an edible arrangement? They're wonderful. <laughs> Look, we love edible arrangement. Um, so uh, uh, round of applause for everybody involved in this. <laughs> All right, Mark, let's get out of the news. Okay, that is going to do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Thank you for joining us for it today. Uh, Please remember to rate, review, and follow us on Apple Podcasts. If you like the episode, you can share it on Facebook or Twitter or wherever you share stuff. We appreciate it when you do that. It is uh, literally the only way people find the show. Um, You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Patrick underscore Ellers. Mark is at MKE Mitchell. And the show is at Named Card Society. You can also check out our Facebook page, which is just Nintendo Cartridge Society. Olivia Duncan made our logo. Our theme music is provided by Ape Betty. You can get more of his music by going to apebetty.com or by listening right now. For my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Eller saying thank you 
for listening. is Will Himes, and I am a ghostwriter, meaning I write other people's books for them. And I have a podcast called I Will Write Your Book, which are recordings of my meetings with my eccentric clients, such as a woman blocked after one sentence of a children's book about her dogs, a romance novelist who dislikes sex, and a man proud of having sampled everything in his local grocery store. This podcast has been described as fully improvised, played by some of the best comedians on the planet Earth. Hey, that's pretty good. That's I Will Write Your Book on Campfire Media. Campfire.